0: welcome to the 244th episode of the fourth and 24 podcast with patrick winograd i'm your host randy winograd in this edition of the podcast our topics are an overview of patrick's weekend predictions our review of the nfl divisional playoffs our weekly look at the nba and our weekly look at college basketball so let's jump right in with a look back at patrick's weekend predictions which are posted every thursday on our website fourthand24.com and we will start in the nfl where patrick went three and one with his divisional playoff predictions In the NBA, Patrick went one and three. In college basketball, Patrick went two and two. And in uh, Australian Open tennis action, in men's action, Patrick went three and one with his ATP predictions. And in women's action, Patrick went four and oh with his WTA predictions. So overall, Patrick went 13 and seven. That brings him to a 988 and 628 overall record. That's a 61.1% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions.
1: Well, I won't go uh, into any of the NFL games specifically because we're going to talk about each of them individually in a second here. Um, But happy with the 3-1 and predictions. I think it's pretty – maybe it's not that obvious, but decently easy to see which one I got wrong, and it was a close game anyway, um, that being the Bills game. Um, But I felt pretty good about everything this weekend. The NBA just felt like I had a bunch of – close. I think the Pelicans were were really the only pick that was probably a dumb pick looking back on it. um, The Thunder beating the Timberwolves, that was a close game. Timberwolves led throughout that game. Uh, Thunder pulled it out at the end. Probably shouldn't have. Um, but the Timberwolves definitely played well enough to win that game. And then the Nuggets only won by two. And that was the Celtics' first home loss of the year. I guess it had to come at some point, but at the same time, hard to pick against the Celtics at home. Um, so I didn't want to do that. Um, that's what happened in the NBA, and then the Magic beat the Heat, which was the one I got correct this week. Um, in college basketball, I had a bunch of close games. Um, Marquette beat St. John's, and Iowa State beat TCU by the exact same score, which was 73 to 72. Um, both of those road wins for those teams, number 17 Marquette, and number 24 Iowa State. So I got those two wrong barely, um, but I got number twenty-five Texas Tech beating number twenty BYU correct. And then I got number 13 Auburn beating number twenty-two Ole Miss, uh, which was eighty-two to fifty-nine. I got that one right. But yeah, I guess Auburn will talk about it later, but they were um this is this was a battle of a team that was technically underranked and a team that was overranked. And the team that was underranked was also ranked higher in the first place and at home. So yeah, not exactly um, the most evenly matched game. It was a little bit more lopsided than your average ranked versus ranked matchup, but I think there only there were only two or three this weekend, so I had to pick. Um, I picked all three. Um, and then in terms of the tennis predictions, um, WTA, my overall record is up to 10 and 4 all time, which means that. It's a 71.4% winning percentage. That is the only um, league where I'm at 70% or above other than college basketball. Um, And a two and two week next week could mean that I finally am not best at predicting college basketball. It could be another sport, which I think that'd be the first time in a very, very long time that that was true. Uh, But it is possible. Um, But happy with those predictions. They're going for now. I was predicting, I think round of 32 matches. The third round at the at this point it's kind of old news. Actually, only out of all the people I picked to win, um, Sabalenka and Coco Golf are the only ones still alive. They're playing each other in the semifinals. Should be a great match there. Um, but the other ones, Anisimova, who I picked correctly, and Miro Andriva, um, they're both out. So um, not that not worth talking about them that much. Um, although it is worth talking about the fact that. Sabalenka won, I think, one of the quickest matches ever. She won in like 55 minutes or something like that, um, which was crazy, especially when you contrast it with matches like last night where Coco Gauff won in three hours. Um, But then in the men's game, I went three and one, like I said. Um, All of these guys, well, all these guys were alive for a little bit, but actually it's just Yannick Sinner still left Um, at this point. He beat Andre Rublev last night, um, who was another guy who I picked who won. Um, so that was two of my predictions. I picked Taylor Fritz. He won his his match. And then I picked Ben Shelton, but he lost to Manorino, who then lost to Djokovic. Um, but they still have some interesting matches going on um, on the men's side. It's really, I think that it's possible that it's all the top four seeds um, in the semifinals, which is crazy. But at the same time, that's what you want. Um, Alcaraz is still alive. Alcaraz and Medvedev just need to win today. And then it will be number one, number two, number three, and number four fighting for the championship, which, yes, um, with those four, it's likely. But at the same time, it's so unlikely that everything shakes out in that large of a tournament perfectly for the top four seeds to all be alive. Um, And frankly, there's a lot of injury stuff with tennis, too, that normally the top four players aren't actually the top four seeds. uh, But it has shaken out that way this year. Uh, And I'm excited to watch the semis and the finals for Uh, Those and overall really happy with my predictions. Happy that bringing the tennis predictions in actually brought up my overall record for the week.
0: All right. Well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website. Worthin24.com on Thursday, as Patrick alluded to in his uh, review of his predictions, didn't really talk about the NFL because we have a whole topic dedicated to it. So let's go to our review of NFL divisional round games. Well,
1: I will start on Saturday with the Ravens who beat the Texans 34 to 10. Um, I said last week, I, did, I didn't think the Ravens had really any chance of losing this game, but at least I think I said it on the podcast. I know I said it um, multiple times, maybe not here, uh, but look, I did not think the Ravens were going to make this game a blowout. I mean, the Texans only scored on one field goal. They missed one field goal at the end of the first half, and then they scored on a punt return touchdown at maybe three or four minutes left in the second quarter. That is, is not what I expected at all. Obviously, this game ended and it was it. Sorry, the half ended and it was tied, but the Ravens just completely blanked the Texans in the second half. And when you look at it, the Texans, like I said, only managed to get that field goal offensively and that missed field goal. So the Ravens' defense was playing out of its mind. Um, you could say that, or you could just say that that's just the Ravens' defense playing its normal, and they're just that good. Um, I think either of them are probably somewhat accurate. Um, but look the Ravens played a great game. Um, They deserve the win. Uh, They were my super, they've been my super bowl pick for a very long time. So I'm happy to see them continue to play so well. Um, uh, Their defense is easily the best left in the playoffs. Um, No offense to the 49ers, but the Ravens defense is better. Um, And you know, if you're comparing uh, who's going to get it done winning time, I would take Lamar Jackson over Brock Purdy a hundred times out of a hundred. So I like everything the Ravens have better than, what the Niners have would be even greater if they could get Mark Andrews back, but even still, Isaiah likely has emerged as a, as a great weapon um, for the Ravens. He's kind of a wide receiver, tight end mold. He's not really one or the other. Um, he's a perfect kind of Jack of all trades, uh, tight end weapon and the Ravens are benefiting from having all those weapons. And, you know, even Nelson Aguilar is not dropping too many passes like he was for the Eagles in the Super Bowl that one year. Um, but look, the Ravens have, they, they have what it, they have what you need to get it done. Um, great receivers, great line, really great defense, probably the best, like I said. Um, and arguably, you can make the argument that they have the best quarterback remaining. I think it's really hard to argue anybody over Mahomes, but you can at least say that Lamar is one of the guys who's actually won an MVP while Mahomes has been in the league. So um, he's the one guy who's left that's on Mahomes' level at least. Um, and then you have the 49ers. They beat the Packers 24 to 21. I uh, wasn't expecting this game to take a comeback from the Niners, but they had to score 10 in the fourth quarter um, to actually take the lead in this game and, and, and win 24 to 21. Uh, it was close throughout the Packers had their chances. Jordan love through an interception across his body while they were driving at the end of the game uh, to potentially tie it up or send it to over to tie it up and send it to overtime or, scored um, another touchdown but um, this game came down to their kicker honestly the Packers have no confidence in their kicker they drafted a kicker who was not even among the top five or ten ca- kickers in all of college football last year um, and of course he obviously isn't a great NFL kicker Andrews Carlson because if you're not top five or ten in college you probably shouldn't make it onto an NFL roster typically only two or three guys uh, make it every year and he should not have been one of them. I don't really know what the Packers were thinking with that one, but um, they made that decision and it came back to bite them as they missed a field goal in this game. And overall just operationally the Packers had their chances, but they really showed um, that they were the young team and they were the one on the road in this matchup of, you know, teams that have historically played each other a lot. And frankly, recently the Niners have won that matchup a lot, honestly, against Aaron Rodgers. Um, And it looks like that's continuing with Jordan Love. although. I don't know. I, I think Jordan Love will get better. Obviously, he's that was his first season really playing and he's really starting to ascend uh, those quarterbacks, quarterback lists, probably trending into the top 15, at least if not into the top 10 somewhere. Him and CJ Stroud, both of those guys who are out of the playoffs now are, you know, they're getting towards the top of those lists um, and deservedly so. And then speaking of guys who are getting towards the top of those lists, Jared Goff is finally building himself some respect. When you look at his career accolades, he's been a winner for a long time and it's starting to pay off as now he's kind of getting the stats to prove it in this lion's offense. Um, He beat the bucket, him and the lions, obviously not just him, but they beat the Buccaneers 31 to 23 um, on Sunday. That was probably, I would say, I think everybody knew that would be the least close game of the week, but it actually turned out to be, I guess, I guess somewhat close. It was tied going into the fourth quarter um, but I think the Lions were on the doorstep of scoring again, and it never really felt like this game was as in doubt as the scoreboard would indicate because the Lions had missed all the opportunities. The Bucks had been executing pretty well. Um, they hadn't really dropped passes like they did in the Eagles game. So it felt like the Lions were the ones who had kind of left points out there, um, you know, had gone for it and, got, and not gotten it a, a time or two. Um, and, and we're just missing out on a few plays. The Monroe St. Brown dropped a big, third down conversion i remember where they would have crossed over midfield and gotten a field goal range and said they had to punt because it was fourth and 15 so um the lions missed some opportunities early they they cashed them in late uh they ended up with i I think they ended up in the lead 31 to 17 at some point also so uh the bucks made it close by scoring a touchdown at the end but that touchdown turned out to be i don't want to say meaningless but probably not as meaningful as bucks fans would have hoped Uh, but the lions escaped with the victory um, I'm not going to talk about Todd Bull's timeout gate. I don't have an educated opinion on that. I just know that they did have a timeout available. They definitely could have taken it. They probably wouldn't have won anyway. That is my stance on it. Um, I, I, I That was his stance on it. Now, that's weird because I'm not a competitor. I'm not a coach. I'm not on either team. So I'm taking it from that step back. As a competitor someone on the field, I would probably have called a timeout. But um, that's... That's neither here nor there. Um, the Lions are going to win that game regardless, in my opinion. Um, although, you know what? Weird things happen to the Lions. Uh, if you have a chance, you might as well give yourself one. Who knows? They might have missed that field goal. They might have doinked. They might have missed the snap on it or something, and you would have gotten great field position. It's the Lions. You never know what happens. But this Lions team is different, obviously. They're all the way into the NFC Championship game. We will see if they can carry that momentum forward and beat San Francisco. Um, I would tell you I would pick San Francisco, but I also don't like them very much. So maybe I'll pick the Lions. Who knows? I think it'll be a close game, though. It'll be a fun game. Speaking of close and fun games, the Chiefs and the Ravens will finally play each other in the playoffs. I think they might have played once or twice before, um, but doesn't really feel like it's as common as the matchup of the Chiefs and the Bills, which we had this weekend. Chiefs escaping 27 to 24. Obviously, Tyler Bass missing the field goal at the end of the game. is what's getting talked about the most. But the fact of the matter is uh, Josh Allen made three or four throws that were dropped, um, that could have been big plays, led to the Bills scoring earlier, being farther down that field. um And then at the same time, they also faked the punt. That was really stupid um, on their own 30-yard line that allowed the Chiefs, well, should have allowed to, the Chiefs to score, but then Miko Hardman fumbled. Um, but, look, they made a bunch of dumb decisions that really gave the Chiefs some, some advantages, and you just can't do that against a team that's that good, um even at home. And I also think that if the Bills had made that field goal, maybe Mahomes just goes down the field and gets a field goal of his own. The Bills weren't really stopping them in the second half that well anyway. So um, I I really don't doubt that Mahomes would have at least gotten down the field for a field goal, and I think Harrison Butker would have made it. So um, I don't really think the Bills were necessarily going to escape with that one, although obviously you would have loved – to have seen them get a chance, at least to stop Mahomes with a minute and thirty seconds left or whatever it was left, rather than just see them fail to stop Pacheco as the Chiefs ran out the clock. Um, but you know, other than those drops, um, Allen had a throw where Chris Jones knocked the lineman back into him. Um, where if he, if his, you know, if his balance of his platform wasn't um, offset, I think he probably would have thrown a touchdown a few plays before the field goal. So, uh, but the throw came out kind of. It, it, it came out short because he got hit um affected by that pressure. So there were a few plays really, honestly, that changed this game. Um, a few plays that ended the bill season, frankly. And I think that that's pretty much always the story when these two teams play each other, Um, especially the bills losing part. Cause that thing has that stayed constant the whole time. Um, But look, Mahomes is Mahomes. Um After he had a rough year and the offense looked kind of out of sync, he figured out late in the year that, guys he can depend on are Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Obviously he knew Kelsey the whole time, but Rasheed Rice has emerged as a rookie as probably their best weapon that's not Kelsey, despite the fact that they have so many vets, you know, they have M V S. They have Nicole Hardman who's been with the Chiefs before. That's the guy they trust. And I think I think that's I think that's right. I think that there's a good reason that they trust him. Um, and he's had a great season. So Um, Credit to the Chiefs, they figured things out and they will be playing the Ravens on the road uh, from Holmes' second ever road game uh, to play for a chance to go to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, so uh, three pretty entertaining games, certainly uh, more entertaining than Super Wild Card Weekend. I think the championship games are going to be going to be awesome this weekend and we will be talking about them next week. But let's move from football to basketball and start with our weekly look at the NBA. And we will begin, as always, with our most impressive teams of the past week. I will start
1: with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are who went 3-0 in the week. Um, They're playing great basketball right now. They've claimed eight straight wins. They are now up to fourth in the East. Um, And they're starting to make the standings look very similar to last year's standings. Uh, As things currently stand, it would be a potential series rematch with the Knicks um, if everything held firm uh, with what they are today. But obviously things change over the course of the season um so we'll see what happens with this team I'm liking the way they're playing right now though they had some injuries early in the year that were um kind of ruining their team but at this point they now have the longest win streak in the league they're only a few games back Uh, of all those teams at the top of the standings in the east uh they're just two and a half back of the Sixers and three back of the Bucks for the three and the two seed respectively um don't think anybody's catching the Celtics frankly but um you know these teams can try but the Cavs Definitely wouldn't mind uh, at least getting to the 76ers or the Bucs level, although I don't really think there's that big of a difference between any of the teams that are going to be 5-6 uh, or make make it out of the play and um, especially looking at Indiana being in the play-in currently. So in terms of the Knicks, the Heat, and the Pacers, it probably is just a matchup thing depending on what team you're talking about. So I don't really think it makes that big of a difference this year um, if you don't get like the one or the two where you actually have home court advantage for an extra series um but the Cavs still playing well and speaking of the Knicks they are the second team on this list they went 3-0 this week they beat Toronto Washington and Houston uh the schedule wasn't anything ridiculous but they only played close against the Wizards and you know that might have been surprising but they did a good job of holding serve this week that's exactly what they're supposed to do I will say that this the this list today is uh it's out of order it's not it's just the four teams kind of in no particular order normally I do order it very well but um This week was kind of they're all kind of as impressive as each other, frankly, just based on who's going on big streaks and everything like that. So I just left it kind of in a random order. But anyway, um, the Knicks are just a few games back of the Cavs in the standings, and they're currently clear of the play in bracket, which is a big positive. Um, They're clear of it by two games where the Heat and the Pacers are tied for that sixth and seventh spot, which is obviously the last spot of the regular playoffs and first spot of the play in. So the Knicks would like to stay above that level if possible. Um, and we've seen them do that last year, obviously. So there's some faith that they can do that. And I think that they have a good enough roster to do that. I think that the OG and trade has worked out pretty well for them. Um, they, you know, maybe they might miss Manuel quickly as kind of extra depth down the stretch. But I think that if you're looking at how the NBA works and how business works, I- I'm going to take a guess and say that they're just going to replace um, his production with someone else that they're going to get from another team. You know, I think I've heard Bruce Brown's name kind of thrown out there a few every once in a while. You never know if that's who they're going to target. Um, we've seen trades happen randomly, and I will, uh, I mean, speaking of trades, I guess, well, I'll wait until the heat. I'll, I'll wait until I talk about the heat to talk about that trade, but there have been trades. Um, obviously the Knicks had one of the first ones, but, um, it won't be the last. And then you have the 76ers. Um, they are also on this list. They went 4-0. They beat San Antonio, Charlotte, Orlando, and Denver. So the first three teams, you know, not two not great teams and one team that had a bad week. And then they beat Denver, though. Um, that was an impressive win to start the week. Um, and six straight wins overall is also impressive. But the Sixers got a 70-point game from Joel Embiid last night. Um, so everything is trending in the right direction for them, who uh, they're only five game, sorry, a half game back of the Bucs for the second seed in a crowded group at the top of the East. Even after Joel Embiid missed so much time um, with his injury, and that kind of sent this team in a downward spiral. Uh, when he's playing, though, they are easily one of the best teams in the league. Um, I don't want to say, go, I don't want to go as far as saying, if not the best, because I think the Celtics and the Nuggets are still a cut above everybody else, and they are going to stay like that until someone else goes on the regular season run that the Celtics does, and anybody goes on the playoff run that the Nuggets did last year. Um, but for now, the Sixers are kind of. The leader of that group of the teams right behind them, in my opinion, um, just based on the way they play when Joel Embiid is present. Um, And then finally, you have the Suns, who went 4-0 this week. Also, they beat Chicago, Indiana, New Orleans, and Sacramento. Four at least decent teams, two of them that are, three of them actually, that are playoff teams with winning records. Um, But the Suns did something remarkable this week. Um, they did what you would expect from a big three of top 15 players. They just kept taking turns with different players going off in different games. Um, no one went off against the uh, against the Kings, excuse me, but they ended a comeback win there um, on a 23 to four run to grab a two- point win. And then the next game, Devin Booker went for 52 points against the Pelicans before Kevin Durant dropped 40 on the Pacers and then 42 on the second night of the, of the of that back to back. Um, against the Bulls in another Suns win. So just some really impressive stuff from the Suns stars. Uh, Didn't mention Bradley Beal there, um, but he did have a few clutch baskets in the game against the Pacers too when uh, too much attention was being paid to Kevin Durant. Uh, Maybe not too much attention, but a lot of attention was being paid to him. So um, he's also capitalizing off the opportunities he's getting on this team. And the Suns overall starting to play better um, than their record would indicate and now finally playing as good as their talent would tell you they should be. Okay, let's move over to the least impressive teams of the past week in the NBA. I will start with the Jazz, who went 0-2. They lost to OKC in Houston. Lost back-to-back heartbreakers um, this week. But in reality, they need to win those times, those types of games uh, to be a real playoff team. At 22-22 and 22 in the 10th seed, a one-point loss to the 11th seed at Houston Rockets. Could come back to bite them before it's all said and done. So those are the types of games you need to grind out if you want to be in the playoffs as a team like that but we'll see i don't think there's anything too specific anything too crazy that's gonna happen with the jazz but i'd say you'd like to see them play better and i'll just leave it at that um then you have the heat they went zero three they beat they, sorry they lost to orlando atlanta and toronto i uh, didn't play a ridiculous schedule this week at all but they failed to put up over 100 points in all but one of those games um but as a result, they ended up 0-3 against that schedule that wasn't even that strong. Um, they need more consistency, although they seemingly do this every year, um, and then they get hot at the right time and make sure they still make the playoffs and make some noise no matter what seed they fall into, but um, I, I, you'd still like to see more um, from that team in the regular season. I, I feel like I always have this complaint, and then they always just kind of do their thing anyway, so maybe, maybe it doesn't really matter as much as I'm making it out to matter, but You know, I'd like to see more consistency. Maybe they don't really care. Um, But regardless, that's why the Heat are on here. Not very consistent overall and not consistent this week at all. Uh, But then you have the Mavericks, who went 0-2 this week. They lost to Boston and the Lakers. Uh, Worth noting that they had an opportunity to claim one impressive win against a Porzingis-less Celtics team but they after losing the Lakers earlier in the week. But they didn't do that. Instead, the end of the week. 0-2 and are currently sitting in the eighth seed spot in the West. Um, This team is capable of winning bigger games, and I think we all know that. So to see them come out and just, you know, not really do that is a little bit maybe surprising might not be the right word, but, you know, it's underwhelming is is what the Mavericks have been, honestly. Um, I think they can be better. I just don't think they're playing their best, but that's also been kind of a theme throughout the season. They've been towards the top of the standings in the beginning at some points, but they've kind of fallen back. Um, obviously now sitting in the eighth seed. So not exactly the greatest. And then finally, you have the Magic, who lost to Cleveland, Philly, and Atlanta, um, and beat Miami. The only win that the Magic got this week was the was against the aforementioned Heat, um, who I should have mentioned. I forgot to mention that trade. They did trade for Terry Rozier um, this morning, traded away Kyle Lowry in a first-round pick for that. We will see how that plays out. Um, but they played the Hawks close in their loss. But this team has been fading for a few weeks now. I'm starting to get worried about if they will even make the playoffs at this point. Currently, they're a playing team. They're in the eight seed, but um, even though they're probably staying there too, I don't think they'll beat the experienced teams to make it to the actual playoffs. At the end of it all, I think they will be a team that gets stuck in the play and it doesn't make it out. Um, so not a great forecast for the Magic overall,
0: not playing their best right now. Okay, let's move away from the NBA and turn our attention to the week of college basketball action.
1: Well, the week, well, we're about a week away from the calendar turning to February, which is when I start to post two brackets a week and when it really starts to feel like craziness in college basketball is starting. Um, this is about the time that I check when all the conference tournaments are to figure out when we will have an auto bid um, that's secure on the board. Feels like that's probably a month and a week away-ish. Maybe maybe first few days of March it always is. But for now, we can focus on the bigger teams. Uh, number five, Tennessee beat Florida 85 to sixty-six. Tennessee continuing their impressive run there. Uh, Kansas State beat number nine Baylor 68-64 in overtime, and Penn State beat number 11 Wisconsin 87-83. A pair of upsets there. Penn State obviously not even close to a tournament team, whereas Kansas State, that's a good resume-defining win for a team that really was in need of one. Um, Then you have New Mexico, who beat number 16 Utah State 99-86. I believe they are ranked this week after getting that upset, but Utah State only their second loss on the year. Um, So a surprising, uh, a good win for New Mexico, not necessarily surprising, but a good win for them. Um, Cincinnati beat number 19 TCU 81 to 77 in overtime. A lot of overtime games in the Big 12, um, and Cincinnati has been no stranger to that. Um, But then number 20 BYU beat, beat, excuse me, beat number 24 Iowa State 87 to 72. Uh, That's an impressive result. Beating anybody in the Big 12 by 15 is a pretty good thing to do. Um, The only team that I think is really, Liable to have that happen to them a bunch is, well, West Virginia. Um, but, it's in, or, or excuse me, BYU did that against Iowa State this week. Really impressive result for them. Uh, then you have number one, UConn, who beat number 18, Creighton, 62-48. to I believe this was Donovan Klingon's return. That is very important for that UConn team. That is really the final piece of, I mean, I don't know if the number one team needed a final piece, but obviously he's part of the reason why they were ranked there, ranked in that area in the preseason, one of the reasons why they won the title last year so. Him being back is a big impact for them. Uh, then you have number five Houston, who beat number twenty five Texas Tech seventy seven to fifty four. They had kind of a rude awakening in the Big Twelve play last week. Um, you know, welcome to the Big Twelve moment, but they handled it well this week uh, with this win. Uh, then you have number eight Kentucky, who beat Mississippi State ninety to seventy seven. Mississippi State is a tournament team, um, so Kentucky getting this thirteen point win is a good sign. Uh, speaking of tournament teams, Ole Miss might not be one anymore. Uh, they lost to LSU this week 89 to 80 they only had one loss and that's why they were ranked but metrics don't really like them um i think they're like 70th in the net so maybe not exactly close to a tournament team then you have usf who beat number 10 memphis 74 to 73 that's a big surprise um that's just a huge loss for memphis not when you expect them to take whatsoever just not a team um, who should be really losing two teams like that but here we are um then you have number one yukon so Um, they beat Villanova 66 to 65. Um, Second good win of the week for UConn, just continuing to roll on, keep winning games. When you're the number one team, there's a target on your back, and they have successfully continued to win with that target on their back. Then you have West Virginia, Hmm, the team I thought that everybody could blow out. Beat number three, Kansas, 91 to 85. Bill Self in his lifetime is five and seven um, against West Virginia on the road. But this is not a normal West Virginia team. This is a terrible team. I mean, honestly, this team is awful. So to take that loss really doesn't shine brightly on Kansas and how they are this season. Um, I've thought they're a little, at least a little bit overrated for a while. And I think that now that they've lost that game and taken that little step back, they're now number seven in the country. I think that's probably more accurate as to where they are. I won't call them overrated anymore. I think that's probably where they end up. I think they're probably a two seed, a respectable two seed by the end of the year, but I do even at the beginning of the season, I was definitely in the, they're the number one team in the country uh, group. But at this point, it, it didn't take me long in terms of how many games I had to watch to not believe that anymore. Um, but speaking of a team that's ahead of them, number six, Tennessee beat Alabama 91-71. to Alabama with a really impressive resume. They've been playing cl- good teams close all year long. Didn't keep this game close at all. Um, Pitt beat number seven, Duke on the road 80-76. to A struggling, inconsistent Pitt team uh, beat Duke it's just college basketball is just pandemonium honestly that's all I can say about that um then you have number eight Kentucky who beat Georgia 105 to 96 this was Big Z's debut for Kentucky's Vonimir uh he's going to be a great player I think he had like 13 points five rebounds four assists two blocks two steals or something like that something ridiculous um in like 15 minutes in that game so uh Kentucky got another boost I didn't think they needed one but uh, if Big Z could keep playing that way, they will uh, gladly take that boost. Uh, then you have number sorry. Then you have number nine Baylor, who lost to Texas, seventy five to seventy three. Um, I believe it was Jalen Bridges who had a big three to tie this game uh, with three seconds left. But then te- or four or five seconds left, but then Texas went down the court, uh, got a layup, I think from Tyree Center. I might be mixing up the names, but um, it was a it was a bigger guy from Baylor, and then a guard from Texas who went down the floor and won it at the buzzer. Um, for the Longhorns, a big win for Texas, who really were lacking good wins on their resume. Uh, then you have number thirteen Auburn, who beat all Miss. I talked about that in my predictions. Uh, number fifteen Oklahoma beat Cincinnati sixty nine to sixty five. That's an impressive road win. It's really hard to win in the road on the on the, on the road in the Big Twelve. Um, Oklahoma did just that with that win, and Cincinnati's no slouch of a team. Um, I talked about Marquette beating St. John's on the road. Uh, then you have number eighteen Creighton, who beat Seton Hall 97-94 in triple overtime. Um, that was an amazing game to watch, but Creighton escapes with the win, uh, a much needed win over a Seton Hall team that really, really needs maybe one or two more quality wins over those top uh, upper echelon teams in the big East to kind of, uh, hold their tournament spot. But I don't know if they're, I don't know where they're trending right now. I'd say they're at least on the bubble. I don't know if they're firmly off or, uh, in, but with not much room, they're probably the second category. Um, but then. Uh, Iowa State beat TCU, Texas Tech beat BYU. Talked about both of those in my predictions. Tulane beat number 10 Memphis 81 to 79. So their second loss of the week took a big tumble in metrics, took a big tumble in the actual rankings, um, deservedly so. Uh, Then you have number 14, Illinois, who beat Rutgers 86 to 63. That was Terrence Shannon Jr.'s return. I talked about it last week that he had filed the TRO and that he might be unsuspended until that case is decided, which might be all the way until after the season, maybe even in the summer. Um, And it looks like that's what's happening for now. I don't necessarily think that case is going to proceed any quicker. So it looks like Illinois will have him for at least the near future, maybe the rest of the season, um, which is a big boost for them. Obviously off the court, that's a bad situation, but on the court, Illinois fans are very happy. And frankly, they were happy with him being back off the court too. Although I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, But number 23 FAU beat UTSA 112-103 in overtime. FAU keeps winning, but this team really, their floor is really, really low. I mean, they're like one of the only teams in the country. I think I saw it being described as like hitting for the cycle in baseball. They have everything you can have on a resume. They have home, road, and neutral wins and losses, and also wins and losses against every single quadrant. Um, It's impossible to do what they've done. They're the definition of great but inconsistent. Um, And then you have North Carolina. Uh, they beat Wake Forest 85-64. to This team is very consistent, have won many games in a row, and are doing so by pretty big margins against some really good teams. Wake Forest, a borderline tournament team. So to get a 20-point win against them is a pretty good sign for North Carolina. And then you have number seven, Kansas, who beat Cincinnati 74-69. to This game probably closer than Kansas fans would have liked, but Cincinnati is playing up to that level, so it's not that surprising. But, you know, Kansas would like to win that game in a little bit more of a comfortable fashion. Uh, It's the margins that they win games by that makes me kind of not believe um, that they are as good as people have hyped them up to be throughout most of the season, but still a crazy week in college basketball, buzzer beaters galore overtime games. Um, It it was just an amazing week, honestly. And I hope that it continues going forward because it's not even February yet, let alone March.
0: Yep. College basketball season, just really starting to kick into high gear. All right. That wraps up our look at college basketball for the week. It also wraps this edition of the fourth and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, January 30th, where we will once again look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, we'll review the NFL Conference Championship games, have another look at the NBA, and again, review the past week in college basketball. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his NCAA basketball tournament bracket that will be posted tomorrow, and his picks for next weekend's games, which, as we have mentioned, will be posted on Thursday. All of that content on our website, 4 24com that's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.